I'm Alex Stone, former military service member and law enforcement officer, now CEO of Echelon Protected Services, one of the fastest growing private security firms on the West Coast. And this is Ride Along. where our guests and I witness firsthand the issues affecting our community. I believe our proven method of enacting meaningful change through compassion and understanding is the best way to make our streets a safer place and truly achieve security through community. I'm JJ Revelo, CEO of Community Action PDX, and I'm here for the ride along. Alex Stone here. Welcome back to the ride along. Our guest today is JJ Revelo. JJ Revelo, longtime friend, and uh, we'll go into his background here in a bit. But JJ, how's your day going today? It's going great, man. Just uh, got up and moving. Came in here to uh, see what we can do today to try to help the homeless and to try to get a feel about what's going on in Portland. That's great. Before we get into that, let's talk about your background a little bit. So, um, you know, I always like talking about personal stories. Why don't you tell the uh, audience about the time uh, I was sneaking in and out of your window because I was a kind of weird. I was weird teenagers yeah. growing up together in high school. I was homeless. Yeah. You kind of took me in. Uh, yeah. Why don't you tell about that story a little bit? Yeah. Um, there was a time in my life where uh, around 16, 15 years old. I no longer lived with my father, moved right. out. We were having conflicts. I don't want to really talk about that, but, uh, moved in with my mother and, uh, my mother didn't know what to do with me. You know, um, I was in a street gang at the time, selling dope, running around, causing trouble any way I could. Um, and, uh, me and you became pretty close through some different things that we had been through, uh, in that same scene. And, uh, you were uh, going through some stuff, and you needed a place to crash. I did, and, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. It's a funny story. My mom uh, didn't know that he knew Spanish, <laughs> and uh, knew he was walking into the, you know, coming in and out through the through the window, and she said in Spanish, "She's like, get that freaking kid out of my house." That's right. And uh, and he comes out in the morning. My mom's making breakfast, and she t he tells her in Spanish, like, "Hey, you know, I mean no disrespect. I I'll leave here." You know, my mom was mortified. Yeah, she because was, yeah. she was like, I mean, I didn't know he knew Spanish. It was hilarious, man. Yeah, but uh, she still tells that story to this day. <laughs> I mean, we were rough, man. We um, we did what we had to do to survive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, um, kind of go into that. Explain. So JJ's, you know, when we talk about our backgrounds and people's backgrounds, we use the term that life. Yeah. Right. And when we talk about that life, we're talking about, you know, what what would be considered criminal activity um something that would be going on on a daily basis and yeah. it's connected to a group of people that would be considered a gang or a cartel yeah. a syndicate right mm -hmm. and so both of us kind of grew up in that life yeah. and you you know you became a very central character and we're not going to name names we're not going to get into that but you know kind of just go into the background of how how you got into that life yeah i will and kind of your role yeah, yeah so 
basically my freshman year in high school, um, I've always been really cool with any anybody around me. I have you know I have family members that are black, That's right. Mexican, white, you name it. I, I sang R and B growing up, so a lot of the uh, a lot of people in my community, uh, Mexican American community, um, you know they 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 didn't like that I I sang R and B. They didn't like that I was cool with a lot That's of right. black folks, um, and that I have family that was black. They, they just had an issue with it, and uh, I say that because there was a riot at my high school, Sam Houston, Houston High School, yeah, and uh, Houston, Texas, yeah, and uh, there was a. It was the it was the Selena riots. I yeah, don't know yeah, if y'all remember Selena. who Selena was, <laughs> but Selena was at the time the most famous Mexican American uh, uh, pop singer, yeah, pop, artist, pop ta- yeah. Tejano. Um, and a uh, huge riot. Uh, and after that riot, I basically I got kicked out of my high school. Um, you know, wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and we can go into those stories. Well, later. you started the riot. But that's what they that's, say. That's a, we'll, we'll get, we'll, maybe in a different episode, we'll get back to that. But that's what they say. Selena we, was murdered by her manager, yeah. and so there was a, a tribute. A, a tribute, and yeah. really a, a week of mourning. Yeah. Well, it was Hispanic, Cinco de Mayo. It was Cinco de Mayo. It was Cinco de Mayo, and it was a. Yeah. The entire Hispanic community, especially the Mexican American community, was grieving. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Uh, yeah, was pretty deep. In Texas, you know, you, you dress up like it's called Texan or Tejano style, mm-hmm. where you wear, you know, your cowboy get up and your buckles yeah. and these things. Yeah. And so it was, you know, it was a day for that to be respected. But there were, there were, you know, there was some hecklers in the crowd. There were, let's say it this way, there were non-Hispanics. They were heck, they were heckling the the people doing the show. So yeah. the way that this really went down, and I mean, we we we, we probably should go into detail at another point. But uh, yeah. there was I I was in the uh, I was in the um, the Black History program that year in February, and uh, I got a lot of flack because I'm Mexican and I was in the Black History program yeah. singing R and B music, and uh, you know the, it, 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 during that era there was tension between blacks and Hispanics. This is the nineties. Yeah, in yeah. my in my high school at least. And uh, I got a lot of flack from that. Um, but I told my friends, like, hey, man, these are good dudes. Like, these are good people. Like, don't, don't trip, man. And, uh, and, and it was peaceful. You know, I got flack, but there was no flack during the, during the Black History program. But uh, in Cinco de Mayo, a couple months later, yeah. um, they were doing a Selena tribute. And uh, some guys in the crowd who I knew, you know, were hopping up and, and shouting, easy E. Easy, oh, easy, in the middle yeah. of the Selena lady singing Selena songs, you know, and it just so turned out that the person they were disrespecting was one of the OGs of a gang called Northside Aztecs Girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, that was very bad. Mm-hmm. And so we had we had one um, program and then they would have lunch and then we'd have another program. We had three programs throughout the day because our, our freshman, you know, group was 2,500 dudes, you know, 2,500 yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, you know, I, in the middle of the break, I went to all of my friends that I was, you know, involved in the Black History program with, and I was like, "Hey, man, you know, please like show some respect during this time because like I can't control what's going to happen with these dudes. Like I don't have pull with them like that." And those guys were like, "I don't give a fuck." You know, they were yeah. like, "I'm going to do what I want to do. Screw you and Selena." Yeah. You know what I'm That's, saying? And yeah. I was like, "All right, man, yeah. I got no control about what happens." And so it was this huge rigmarole. Um, they tried to separate us from each other. Somehow, one group ended up seeing another group, and it just so happened that I was in the front of one group, mm-hmm. and there was a guy that stole my CD player earlier that day was in the front of the other group, and yeah. I just wanted my CD player back, 
you know, and I, I threw the punch. And when that, once that happened, I'll never forget like a wall of fists. And that's right. And, I mean, it, and I was like, I got kicked out of that high school. And, and so I got, I got sent to another high school called Reagan high school at the time. It's been changed to like a technology high school. Now it's not, oh, I didn't know that it's they, like Heights technology. High really, school. They got rid of Reagan. They yeah. 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 Uh, oh. and, um, hmm. you know, when I was there, um, you know, I, I tried to change my persona. I came in there. I'm just like, I'm just going to be like a guy that goes to school. But people had already heard about me, you know, um, there. And they, knew, they knew about the JJ. It, well, they knew that they knew that <laughs> yeah. I. There's so much stories here. They, they knew that I was a fighter. Well, you, you, you we used to box back yeah. in the day. We would we would skip school to just train boxing. Or we would fight anybody who wanted to wrestle, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah, so. you know what I'm saying? Like um, and we and we'd been fighting since we were kids. So. Um, it was just kind of something we did. Um, uh, basically, when I started going there, there was a gang called Mexican Power, and they were like, "We don't like you." We, I was like, "Why?" And they just, they just didn't like me. Dude. You weren't Aslan enough. I don't. I wasn't. I was. I mean, I listened to like Soundgarden. Yeah. I was like, I was like a Mexican American man. I didn't speak fluent Spanish. You know, I hung out with black folks. They didn't like that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, so. I had a really beautiful girlfriend, and there was one guy in that gang that wanted her so bad, and so we couldn't even walk down the hallway without them trying some sp some smack. And so finally, I squared off with one of the guys, on you know alone. I was then going to the restroom. Mm -hmm. I saw him in the hallway, yeah, and I yeah. went up to him and I was like, "Hey, if you got some beef, we could settle it right now. We can just box it right now and be done with it. Screw your friends. What's up?" He's like, "No, nah, man, I ain't got no trouble." And then later that day. Oh, he had trouble, huh? They tried to jump me. Yeah, when he found his friends, <laughs> yeah, they tried he to definitely, jump me. there was some trouble there. And uh, I used to carry these metal hand packs, uh, like metal pieces of weight that I put in each hand. I carried two knives. Because where I was from, I mean, you had to, you know. Uh, you were fighting. You were Something was going down. Um, and long story short, you know, uh, I, I, I had them follow me to an area where there was a small, you know, entranceway and then a stairway so I can single them out mm -hmm. got where they instead of having funnel four, in right instead of having four so they can't, breasts, they can't exactly so they can't surround me yeah. exactly yeah. so instead of having four breasts they could only come in two abreast mm -hmm. and I was dropping them bop bop dropping them bop yeah. bop and uh and I'll never forget like I got started getting tired and I was like that's it I'm gonna I'm gonna get smoked these guys are gonna mess me up yeah, yeah. and I, I like I was like all right screw it and I just went ahead and you know, fun, you know, shelled in to try to, t to be like, all right, I'm, I'm about to take this, this yeah, ass yeah, woman. Yeah. And I'll never forget, like, uh, same thing, like in the ride, like all these hands and legs came over me and get off my homeboy, bitch, da -da 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 -da, boom, 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 boom. And, and what had happened was while I was there, I had been, I had met a guy there named Looney Lewis Pena. I'm um, pretty sure he wouldn't mind me mentioning his name. And he, uh, he, uh, he, we're still friends. Um, and he, um, he had been taking me around, introducing me to guys. And legitimately, I yeah, this may sound funny, but we were getting interviewed for gang positions. So, and and <laughs> and this stage of that development and that life, you would be a hang around. In this stage, I wasn't around. even affiliated yet. You weren't you weren't associated. No, and this was like this was. But uh, you knew the you knew when you're in that when you grow up in this type of neighborhood, mm -hmm. you know that there there's. Like clicks, yeah. yeah. There's clicks. I mean, well, everybody, you know the clicks, and you know their areas. Uh, I Houston's an interesting city because it's it's it, they call it open city. It's huge, it's very and large. Uh, and and uh, you know if you're 14 and your friend has a car, 
I mean, we, we, we tried out for a lot of different gangs. <laughs> like we went to, you know, at the time there was, you know, there was Brown Pride, there was Mexican Power, yeah. there was there was all these different H sections. H Town Browns. H Town, yeah. uh, you know, Seven NG Seven, you know, Baby Blue Kips, Rolling Sixty, yeah. all these different cliques. And uh, we went and we actually talked to every OG. They wanted us in. We were big guys. We were smart. Yeah. And uh, you know, one of those gangs was called Seven NG Seven, and it was it was it was part of uh, part of, of the of the of like the the Reagan neighborhood. And they fought with this Mexican power gang um, often. And so because I'd already talked to them before and they liked me, I, I talked about unity. This really was my thing. Nice, I just got nice. through. I, like, I, I, I ate, slept, and breathed the movie Blood In, Blood Out. Right? So like I was like. So, so you're, you find yourself in a situation. You're at a, you already got kicked out of one high school. Yeah. You're in another high school. Yeah. Roughly the same area, north side. Yeah, and let me. I'd like to add a caveat. My father also told me if uh, there was a time when he was like, "If you get into a fight, you already know what's going to happen when you get home." Yeah, you get into a bigger fight. Yeah, when I got home. Yeah, that's how it was. But by this time, um, something had happened where, I, as you can see, the scar on my face. I got hit, busted my scar open, busted my face open. I mean, bleeding everywhere. Nurse, my my father comes and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna mm -hmm. have to suspend both your son and this guy." My dad was like, "What? I've been telling him since he was a kid not to fight." Yeah, and so he allowed this kid to hit him, and you're gonna suspend him anyway. That's and right. Like, and he's like, they're like, yeah. Sorry, That's what sorry. they did back in the day. So he was like, well, just okay. to stop the any, they don't know who's in gangs, right. so they're afraid of retaliation. Right. And these so my dad was like, well, y'all fucked up. And he looked at me and he's like, from now on, if anyone looks at you cross-eyed, I want you to kick the living shit out of them. Yeah. And if you don't, you know what's gonna happen to you when you come home. Mm -hmm. So after that, when the riot went down, like I was quick to get like like. I had been caged and, uh, you know, granted, you know, today, you know, me, I've evolved, you know, God and my relationship with God and man has gotten me out of that old mentality. Um, but it still looms. Mm -hmm. Um, but during that time, you know, my, you know, I, I was a monster, man. Yeah, once, be once before we talk about your transition out of that life, let's, yeah. I want to dig in deeper. So you, you, you get jumped. You, you're starting, they court you, you start to court other groups. Yep. What, what in your mind was the determining factor that said, I'm going to get in this clique guy right here. I'm going to, I wanted uh, to be with the strongest. Okay. I wanted to be with the people who were the most fearsome. I wanted to be with the people who had the most resources, connections. Yeah. I, I was, I was intelligent. And I'm asking this uh, because yeah. a lot of the people we engage on the street, they're making yeah, this, it's the same decision-making process occurring on the streets of major cities, mm -hmm. especially in the homeless community. Mm -hmm. They, they will click together yeah. uh, to protect each other. Yeah. And so, and so that's you know, really important to get into. So you end up getting down. Well, let me explain that what happened. Yeah. So we went to every single group and we, <laughs> we legitimately interviewed, yeah. you know, six different gangs. Yeah. And then we finally met with the H-Town Rolling 60 Crips, um, which um, we were told at the time we were, we were allowed to be a chapter of Rolling 60s. But now, after the fact, I realize that they just liked the name. You know what I'm saying? They weren't legit. They weren't paying people. national dues. And they're not a part. They weren't, they weren't from Compton. They weren't from that, right. that, that section, that place. And, you know, if you're going to be a, a real 60, you're from there. Um, they, you know, they were, they were clean, they were set cleaners, you know what I'm saying? But they yeah. weren't, they were legit. They were violent, 
but yeah. they weren't real rolling 60 cribs. Correct, they just called themselves yeah. that. And this is, we had we this, did. this of course is, is the same in Portland. Yeah. People exactly. start claiming sets. And then what usually what happens is if they become legit enough, that set will reach out and say, you're not paying dues. To that effect, or yeah. in other ways back then that I remember that we, it used to go down was if an OG came from Compton mm-hmm. and was from that area and they would say, okay, you know, we'll allow you to use the name. And that's what we told, that, that's what I was told, you know, mm-hmm. was that's how right. we were able to carry that name, which mm-hmm. to me was a cool name at the time. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and yeah, like, of course, bro. Everybody yeah. was a crip, you know, uh, I was young. This was in the early mid 90s. So, um, but what really moved me to these people was they were big, they were strong, they were organized, they were already fighting with MS-13, real violence. This is when MS-13 was just getting on the scene. On the scene. Yeah, like and there was like... Really the first, second year they were really in, in the States. Right, right. And so, I mean, they had already gone through many, you know, many shootouts and, many, and things yeah. like that. And they had... When I went and saw them, they were like, you know, hey, these, these is our men. These are the guns we got. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we have connections with the cartels so you can start making money. But it wasn't like m- spoke about in that way. It was it was like uh, it was like you just knew, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like, hey, look at my guns and we can connect you with this. And they didn't have like a five point program yeah, for yeah. success. You know, it was just it's crime. Yeah. Um, uh, so I decided me and Luna decided to get clicked in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, we did a couple minutes getting clicked in. You know, they told me at the beginning, like, hey, if you want, if you don't fight back, we won't, you know, <laughs> they, 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 they're going to hit you as hard. They, they say, if you don't fight back, we won't, we won't mess up your face. It's only 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. You and fight back. That's like, oh, five my minutes. brother. But it, yeah. it, it, it was like two minutes and they hit every part of me. They destroyed my face. At first they were going to call me two face because my face was so messed up, but we went with big six. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, um, after I got clicked in, um, things changed, you know, uh, I, I caught, I was, uh, riding around with one of the guys. Who you're a guy, you're taking orders at that point. At this time, I'm, well, I was fortunate because the people who just recruited me were the two main OGs and they saw, they saw, uh, talent, talent. Yeah. and, uh, they're and scouting so, you. They, yeah. they recruited you. So at one point, you know, you become an enforcer. Yeah. At so what point does that happen? That happens a little bit after I kind of prove that I'm down. Um, so like the first thing that really happened that I feel like was like it could have gone real south was uh, the leader of that gang, Mexican Power, at the time his name was Chucky. And uh, he didn't really have beef with me, but it was his brother. He really had mm. beef with me. So, uh, But one time Chucky was with his girlfriend and his mother mm. and his daughter, I think. Um, and they were near the Galleria, you know, the Galleria, yeah, of course. that mobile right there. It's still there. Yeah. You right. know what I'm saying? Um, this is a mall and Galleria downtown is Houston. Mobile is a, it's a really station. nice area. People right. would go there shop. Yeah. Right. So we, pull this, is up. When, this is the nineties when we still did that. Yeah. 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 You couldn't get a, a girlfriend's phone number unless you, unless you the were mall. at the, yeah, yeah. So we were out there chilling and, uh, we pulled up to that mobile to gas up. It was myself, Smiley, Kid D, um, Looney. So your, your, your crew. My, I mean, and two of them were very dangerous people at the time. Very, yeah, very yeah. dangerous people. And so when I pulled up and I saw, and Looney and me saw him, Looney was like, oh, Jay, what? It's Chucky. And I was like, oh, snap. And immediately, Smiley gets his piece. He cocks it. He's ready. Kid D's ready. They're going to like, we're just going to smoke him. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, dog. Hold on. I can make this work. Hold on. So I get out of the car. I go up to Chucky. And I was like, hey, bro, 
I was like, you see who's behind me? And they're like, and he's like, oh, he's like, like he's seen a ghost. He knows yeah, yeah, yeah. he's caught slipping, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm like, here's the deal, bro. I don't think that we should be fighting. We're rasa. We shouldn't be fighting each other. Rasa means race. Like yeah, yeah. we're one blood. Right. Um, we should be building. I get, I get teared up sometimes when I think about this stuff, man. We should be building each other. And uh, and he was like, you're right, man. He's like, you're right. And I was like, look, dude, I'm gonna give you a pass. You know, but if you ever see me out, I expect the same respect. That's and he's like, he was like, that's what's up, dog. That's what's up. So we left. A couple days go by. At the time, I was dating a girl way older than me. Her name was Carmen. She was like 24. I was like 16. <laughs> um, you know, she, we'll take that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it is what it is. You know, my father was consent. He consented. It was okay. okay. At the time, I think it was okay. I, um, but uh, long story short, we go to a uh, uh, Gulfgate Mall, and we're mm -hmm. you know this, it still exists forty years later, yeah. uh, <laughs> like a different completely s side of town. It really hood, more a hood side of town. Very you know, hood, but definitely very, not the north side. Very Latino, yeah, that's what's up. And at the time, I was from the north side, but like I said, open city, we're all over the place. Um, and I'm, I'm walking through Gulfgate Mall with my girlfriend, and uh, I look up, and what do I see? Chucky, his brother, like four other dudes. Yeah, that's what's up. And they're walking towards me, man, and I'm like, oh, shit. It's about to go down. So I tell my girlfriend, hey, if anything goes down, just go to your car. I go and I reach in my pockets for my hand packs like I always carried on me. And I'm like, either we're going to thump or I'm going to slice them. So I start walking up to him, and, uh, and Chucky, you know, does this to them, like chill, comes up to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it still makes me tear up. And he's like, I remember what you did. And he's like, you're right, bro. We are rasa. You ain't got nothing coming from this way. Nice, right, that's bro. what's up, dog. That's and, what's and he up. left. I mean, I tear up because I'm like, I, I, I hope and pray that that happens all over the world. Mm -hmm. Where people realize that they don't have to fight like that over stupid trivial shit. Yeah. Long story short, later we go to the high school and uh, the principal's like y'all's cliques. Because, you know, that didn't happen there. I got my pass, but it didn't stop. Like, yeah. you know, as I was at that school, when we drive around, mm. we didn't have a lot of dudes there. They had a lot of dudes there. They'd come up to our cars, hit the cars. So finally, the principal was like, we need to get these two leaders together and get them to squash this stuff. So this is when I started stepping into OG territory. It only took a year or so before I started becoming an OG. I never claimed it, but they were saying that's what you are. Yeah. I didn't want to claim it because if I other, claim it, Other people were naturally seeing your leadership and started following your decision making. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and they liked, they, you know, they liked me. They yeah. loved me, actually. The, my OGs were, became my family. You know, yeah. I ended up moving in with one of them, you know what I'm saying? And their family, and they, their family became my family. Mm. So uh, long story short, um, over time, that ended up squashing because uh, we went and the principal out pulled us both in there, and we both Chucky and I agreed, and we shook hands, and we're mm. like, we're not going to do this no more. And that was it. And so that gave me some pull, some authority, because they saw that I could, you know, I conflict resolution, yeah, right, all these right. different skill sets. So um, we still, you know, went around town, you know, beefing with people, but there was an era where they took that perspective, and I think this is how I became more of an OG, where they took that mentality, and they were, they were like, okay, all the Crip gangs in Houston, we're going to unite them. And so there was an era at that time where uh, Black Disciples mm -hmm. was the largest gang. That's right. And then the next largest gang was H-Town Crips. Mm -hmm. 
which was the United Rolling Sixties, Baby Blue Crips, Crip Cartel, Houston Crip Cartel, all the Houston yeah. Crip gangs, yeah. became one unified unit, mm-hmm. um, which made us pretty strong. Several, th- couple, at least a thousand, maybe. According strong. to the Houston Chronicle ad, it, like or the the uh, uh, thing that they the had, newspaper, right, right, the at the time, newspaper, yeah. right. Uh, BD was uh, like at seven thousand, and uh, and 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 we were at like five. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were pretty big. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so um, at this point, <clears throat> when you get to that level of organization, it's about making money. It's all about making money. It's all about, because that's why gangs exist. Well, and making right? allies. Yeah. Ter- to make, to take over territory. For power. Yeah, for power. Right. So at what point does it become, hey, I did this to protect myself to now I'm just basically in a cartel. I'm in, I'm in an organization that exists to... Make money, get and, money and take territory. Yeah, get money. No, by any means necessary. Um, I think what happened was whenever my father and I had a falling out and I moved out on my own, he got tired of me being thuggish, ruggish, and was like, you got to go. Right. That's right. You know, he, he got to a point where he couldn't really hit me anymore and because I was becoming big and strong. He's like, you, you got to go. If you're not going to go to school and do the right things. So I moved in with my OG, his mom. Hopefully one day we can get him up here. You know, he's, yeah, he's be, my brother. Up. I love him. Um, and uh, that's when things started changing because at that point, I no longer felt like, oh, I'm just a gang member mm-hmm. in a gang. Mm-hmm. This is my family. Yeah. This is my family. Mm-hmm. Um, they feed me. They clothe me. That's right. They, they tell me that I'm loved. They tell me things that, you know, my father or my mother never told me. You know, mm-hmm. hey, man, you're handsome. Stand up straight. Hey man, did it like they were? They they, they raised me, you know. Yeah. Uh, Blue raised me, um, and his and his family raised me. Um, and when that happened, that's when I became the enforcer. That's when mm-hmm. I became like because I followed Blue everywhere, mm-hmm. and if if you know if you just looked at him wrong, I would try to smash you. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times when somebody would try to square up with him, and I, you know, I remember one time after Treasures. I don't know if I ever told you about this, and this guy was squaring up with him, man. And Treasures I, is a strip club. This guy was trying to square up with Blue, and uh, and uh, bro, I, I smashed him so hard, man. I smashed him so hard, I started hitting him so hard and with my fists and my knees and my elbows, and I was moving people off of him. I was like, get away. And I just, it was like every bit of anger and rage that, that from my, you know, my childhood mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. went out on that dude. And later on, a, a girl came up, and she was like, man, what did you do to my friend? Why did y'all jump him? And they were like, ain't nobody jump him. That was J.J. And I think that when I realized, like, oh, wow, I'm big, I'm strong, I can take pain, um, I can inflict pain, yeah. that I realized my, wh- that was valuable. You know what I'm saying? Like, they called me big six for a reason. I was, I was six foot, and most of them were five, six, five, seven. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Six foot one. And, uh, and I knew how to fight because I had been through all this stuff with my pops. My pops was yep. old school. He did not believe, he believed in, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. You know what I mean? So. And you were always dedicated to martial arts. I mean, yeah. boxing. Boxing. We, we had set up boxing gyms in our, in our Yeah, kickboxing, wrestling, yeah. you know, uh, th- different ways to street fight, different weapons, how yeah. to deploy them in the middle of a fight. That was like what I lived for. Yeah. I mean, where I came from, people were ranked boxers. Like, uh, yeah. you know, there was, oh, a, yeah. you know, wh- when I was growing up, like, the, did you know, Alan Rosario, remember him? I do. And then yeah. there was a guy named, uh, I hope I don't j- drop his name. Uh, maybe he'll be happy that I dropped his name. This guy named Victor Diabla. Everybody wanted to be him, but he was the baddest boxer in the body. Yeah. 
the baddest mamma jamma, bro. And everybody knew it and nobody wanted nothing. Yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? Like, and everybody had nobody their wants it. Nobody, everyone thinks they won a title fight. But they don't really <laughs> want, they don't want, they don't want, they don't want a piece of the champ. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, my, my, I grew up idolizing men who they fist fought. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's how they settled their grievances. Um, there were times when we'd have church and uh, churches. Explain church. Church is when we, we, you know, we get together once a week, all of our dudes. Um, and we it's an executive about, board meeting. Yeah. We talk about, poly well, sometimes it's, it was just like, uh, you know, family get together. Even, even, even non OGs would come like, yeah. you know, it would be, you know, 50, 60, 70 dudes, each section. We yeah. had section like the P but section, H section. A lot of people in the, I just want to make sure the audience understands. So the, the term church is used often by criminal organizations as the term for a board meeting or leadership coming together to make decisions. Pretty much. It's church. Yeah. And I mean, when in these situations, we'd have like, for instance, the reason why I never wanted to be called an OG is because I saw one guy get OG because he was like me. He was able to recruit people yeah. and make money. His name was Gumby. Hope you're still alive, bro. Um, uh, and uh, But Smiley didn't like the fact. No, no, no. Sorry, not Smiley. Kid D didn't like the fact that he made OG before Kid D did because Kid D did a lot of dirt, more dirt than Gumby, mm -hmm. way more. It's um, weird. If you're an earner, you tend to garner. In this life, if, if you earn for not just yourself but your crew and your boss, you will tend to get leadership faster than those who actually do dirt. Well, the, I the think cleanup guys will. I think it's what it is. Is intellect so? intellect beats brawn? But if you have intellect and brawn, then you're a boss. Then you're a boss. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's very very well said. So I like to keep. I kept to myself, and I literally saw D was like so mad. He's like, "Nah, you ain't no f. You ain't no motherfucking OG, bro. What's up? Let's square off." And so we all got in a circle at church. At church, oh, we damn. hold hands, and they square off and they box. They get it sorted. Mm -hmm. And Gumby proved that he wasn't no punk. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like, and he got to keep his status. He got he kept that leadership. You know, he position. kept his status. Now it wasn't long before, you know, uh, you know, over time the gang dissipated. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, men went to jail. They realized people did weren't really there for them because we weren't checking for people in jail. We were we were young. We didn't understand the mm -hmm. value in that. And the older you get, the uh, you know, in that life, the older you get, the more it really does become about money. And the, the sense and influence. of the, influ the sense of family wanes mm -hmm. and the desire and the greed takes over in these organizations. Well, yeah, I think what happened with us with with us was um, we didn't get corrupted. What happened was everyone graduated into cartel members. Yeah. So they went. We were baby. We were baby gangsters. But all of you know, these men that were you were running the product for the cartels right. at the street level because some of the members fathers and uncles were cartel members. OG cartel. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking south of the border. We're talking, there's but a certain corridor. Let's not, let's te not. Te te the Texas corridor. Yeah, let's, you know we'll, we'll, and that's all we're going to talk about <laughs> you know there because I mean? we don't yeah. want to go. I don't want to name names. We're definitely not going to go there right. because it's not, it, it, it doesn't, it's not relative to the doesn't story, matter. right? Over time, what happened yeah. was um, as more money began to come in, um, what's our and When you talk about money, what, what amounts of money? Like $10, $20? I mean, let me put you this way. My OGs were moving, and they've already done their time for this, so I'm not afraid to say it. They were moving like they are getting keys for 5000 on the other side. Yeah. They are putting them in vehicles. A, a key is a? Is a, a kilo of cocaine. Okay, okay. 
and they were they were getting them for five thousand on the other side. They were bringing them over here, smuggling them across the border. This was pre nine eleven, and then they were selling them for thirty thousand a key. Yeah, and, and they were bringing in truckloads, truckloads, semi trucks. Well, what they would do is they'd get forerunners and free runners, and they pull off the panels. Yeah, right? we won't get into the no, details. No, I don't mind talking about but it. But there was a a steady yeah. flow yeah. of narcotics. Yes. And this and was, there were many ways to get it in. It wasn't just driving. There so was we're not tunnels. T- there was all sorts. We're of not shit. talking about tens of thousands. No, we're talking about millions. We're talking about millions. And tens these, of millions. Yeah. Some of your OGs, they they were driving Ferraris. They were driving right. M3s, Mercedes. Yeah. Some of the other guys that were messing with the with the with the ecstasy fully restored stuff. Impalas. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there there was a lot of money. There's a lot, a lot of money in people, the ghetto. I mean, the, we I mean we were young. Meaning like nineteen, and we li- we lived in our own house. Yes, I mean that type of money, right? Yeah. And so, at some point, this lifestyle it changes you to a point of no return. Yeah. So obviously, this isn't who you are today. Yeah. You know, you own a company, Community Action PDX. Yes. You own uh, North uh, Pacific Northwest Firewatch. Yep. You're a successful businessman. Um, at some point you had to have made a decision mm-hmm. to walk away, walk away. And yeah. So explain that process and explain how you're able to do that in that life. How do you can walk away? I wouldn't have been able to walk away if, if, if I wasn't so close to blue and smiley. So your OGs, they were my OGs, but by this time they were my brothers. Um, Smiley was the real dangerous, crazy guy that if you even just called him bitch or war, yeah, yeah. you wore red around him, you know, he would violate, you know, he'd be like, you're in violation. You so he's to, essentially like a sergeant at arms. He's a sergeant at arms. He's and keeping then, the standard mm-hmm. and the crew. Yeah. So he's not only an outside enforcer and Smiley's a long-term friend. We, yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, he's enforcing the standard within that yes. organization as yes. well. So. Yes. He's, and that's a critical role in any organization you have to maintain standards, and he was the best. And he had to main rep- maintain reputation too. Yeah. And he was known as a crazy, dangerous man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, and Blue, Blue was like, damn man. I mean, he's one of the most charismatic people I've ever met in my time. Bro, he's like Big Niche, or he's like, uh, yeah. you know, like a like a Vito Corleone. Like he's just like uh, the Rock. You know, something like he's, he's just, a, he was a leader. There's a magnetic that, yeah, dude, you just, power. you just love the dude. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and his father was really deep connected his mom, and his brothers amazing. were really deep connected yeah. in Mexico. Um, the whole so, family really is just a, a really charismatic, um, yeah, just vibe right. that you get. It's amazing. And, uh, so what happened was, um, you know, I'm a musician, you know, we haven't stated that, but I, I've been singing since I was young That's right. and uh, at the time, um, we were using our connections to get me into a major record label. Yeah. And uh, we were co- being courted by a major, major record labels. And I was offered a major record deal. You were. And you um, had a song that you wrote that was on the radio. Right on the radio. So um, a couple of them. Um, and I just, uh, well, what had happened was I'd set up a deal between all of my people and the cartels and someone else to... Uh, basically work a deal with the Israeli mafia to give them cocaine in Amsterdam for a fraction of the cost of what they were used to paying. In return, we'd get ecstasy pills for 25 cents a pill. 
there was a guy who would take it over there and bring it back. And we were setting that up. We've done it once or twice and we were setting that up to do for future. So you had gone from a uh, corner street drug dealer yeah. to running a, being an OG in a cart in a street gang cartel, crip cartel right. in Houston right. to directly working for larger cartel organizations yes. that are actually producing Mm -hmm. and trafficking yep. and, you know narcotics yeah, yes. and we'll say cocaine at this point because yeah. this is really before the, you know the, this at this point meth wasn't really kicking in the, like the, the biker gangs yeah. really were controlling meth yeah. and no one really wanted to step on you don't step on them well it just wasn't it wasn't as lucrative as the yeah. cocaine trade and it, it was it's pretty expensive to make it wasn't being mass produced right. so cocaine's really the deal at this point you, you're going from city state and national to international level so you're, yeah. you're connecting to organizations that yes. are across yeah. the, the ocean. I mean. So, you know, we, were, we thought it was a good idea to, you know, we went to our local bar at the time. I don't want to name it because then people will be able to single out where we were exactly. Um, but uh, we would go to our local bar and mm -hmm. uh, I had the, my emissary from, uh, from the Israeli mafia was with me. And then we had our guys and we, you know, we went and we picked up some ladies and we went back to a hotel and we had this big old party. And at that party, I had a spiritual awakening. And what did that The next mean? day. Were you on uh, ayahuasca? Um, no, no. I was, I was sober by the next day. Okay. I just, I had a, I had a, you know, let's just say it, a Saul of Tarsus moment. Or, a, you know. Um, I don't think the audience will know who that is. But I, that's okay. The ones who do, that's what's up. Just, so speaking more frankly, you became a born-again Christian. Yes. Yes. And, and that conversion process led you to believe that that you could no longer maintain this level of activity. I couldn't do it anymore. Basically, I, I mean, I, I, I had to choose between life or death. And for you, that your faith became more important than even the family that became your family in childhood. More important than my family, more important than my record deal. That's right. Um, I gave up my record deal. You did. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, more important than anything. And, uh, and th this faith that you have now is what has led you to the community activities. Yeah. That you're doing now, right? Yeah. So we're going into the same type of neighborhood neighborhoods that I'm used to being around that we grew up in, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And and we're trying to make a difference, a positive impact on that community. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's what's so I, th I think that's what's going on with me now. You know, all of that led me to a place now where I've been able to lead men, um, not in a m military fashion, but on the street, mm -hmm. and uh, I've 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 felt the joy of those men all working for good. That's right. To create unity and good within their like mm -hmm. their area and their neighborhood. And a lot of these men that you employ are former felons, yes. gang members. Yes. And not just from here or Texas, but actually from all across the country. That's right. Yeah. I have a, a vice lord nomad that works for me. I have uh, you know, I have a couple bloods that work for me. You know, former bloods. Yeah. The vice lord is still a vice lord. Yeah. But you know You're working on him. I love and care about that dude, and I, I hope that he, I mean, he's actually working on himself. Yeah, that's good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, he really is, and he's a leader. He just doesn't know it yet. All right. So so I'm just going to transition because yeah. JJ, and there's a lot of details here that we're not going into that stories we could be telling, but we don't want to glorify that, that life. You know, that life was about survival, Yeah. and it's, it's not about building community. It's not, there's nothing hopeful 
and joyful about that life. That life always gets you into a position that's going to destroy your life yeah. and the life of your entire family. Yeah. And so we're kind of talking about this today because you're going to go on your first ride along. Yeah. You've watched me. I kind of got out of that life at a young age, went into the military and actually went into law enforcement. There was a long period of time when we didn't even talk to each other yeah. because about seven years, about seven and, years. and I, you know, exactly. And so, we're, we're, we're reunited again, we're working together, and so you're here today to give the audience and all of the viewers here a better understanding when, when people are walking into these, to these neighborhoods and you're seeing what might appear to be something mundane or ordinary, you're gonna give us that perspective of, no, this is actual, this is criminal activity. Oh yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know, to speak yeah. to that, like, you know, I've seen it, um, and what, I, what I'd like to kind of like let the audience be able to see through my eye mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. the level of organization that is there and the level of organization that, depending on who the OG is, would be there, yeah. um, you know, uh, and what's needed. Because I, I actually, I very much believe in your security through community paradigm. I appreciate it, um, I think that would be really awesome is if if the security companies could work hand in hand with the local OGs. Yeah. Because I believe they'll never be they'll never not be there. No, you're I not going to get rid of gangs. You're not going to get rid of that stuff it's because it's 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 really the the grassroots of a community organization. But you can broker these reconciliation you can engage in a reconciliation process. Yes. Kind of like yeah. what your high school principal did. Yeah. And you can stop violence yeah. if if so, someone's willing to stand up and be in the gap yeah. and pull these parties in. Yeah. You can actually stop kids from being murdered. Well, and you can create order. Yes. Because you know if you have you know derelict OGs, they're not gonna get the work done. But mm -hmm. if you had somebody like you know, I mean, logist myself or Blue or, or Smiley, like that's all we'd be doing. Yeah. Is getting the work done to make sure that there's order on the streets so there's no one fucking paying attention to us. Yeah. So we can make our money. Yeah. Right now the way it is right now it's like dude this is just a matter of time before this all gets destroyed and whoever's making their money right now they're not going to be able to make it no more. Yeah. But if they would act as a order bringing, you know, group and maybe give some positive to the community, um I you could see some change and some difference. I and mean, and hopefully this will even change them. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal, because once they see that they that their power is being used for good, but I think that you know what happens is once you start using your power for you know disorder, you know what I'm saying? Um, it becomes addictive. You know, it, 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 the power in general is addictive, but I think mm -hmm. it becomes it becomes addictive when it's uh, like the the old adage by Lord Acton: uh, "Power corrupts, and absolute, absolute power corrupts, corrupts absolutely. absolutely." Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. And I, I think that's what's happening. The, the more untouchable you feel you are, mm -hmm. the more, you know, you really want to take command and control. Yeah. And, and grow. You, and the and level of hubris is just through the roof. Yeah, hubris. That pride, ego takes over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I appreciate you coming into the studio. Sure. I, I know that, you know, these are things that went on decades ago. And sometimes it's hard to talk about it. And I think that you've done a really great job ex kind of explaining, giving an understanding of, being in that Chicano uh, gang culture. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just, I'm really thankful that you're here and I'm excited about getting out on the streets. And yeah. um, I'm pumped up about it too, man. Yeah. Let's go do that. Let's go. All right. I right, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, we'll be on the streets next time you see us. Appreciate it. Thanks.
Cool, man. So have you, how's the tents been coming along around here? Um, it's good, bro. We, that lady Carolyn, we contacted, um, what, three, four days ago? Right, right, right. We got her, we had to put her at a hotel, so we bridged her for a night, and then we got her into a tiny home yesterday. That's nice, man. Yeah, so, and we put her in a emergency shelter, transitioned her there for like two days. Right. So one hotel day, two transition days, and then the final day, um, she got into a uh, tiny home village. It's pretty oh, that's cool. What's up. Yeah. That's what's up. And you know that whole car? Uh, yeah, so how long did she end up staying in the uh, in the hotel? How did that end up going down? Um, I gotta take this. Yeah. Hey, what's up? So yeah, I mean, I think she was going crazy like she was because she, uh, our kids can just sit, I mean, die of overdose. Yeah, but I think she did. She just wanted to know that she had some place to stay, man. Yeah, she was. I mean, they basically were gonna try to have her arrested. They called the cops. Really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, you ain't gonna do that. I was. He's all oh, this lady. She's, she's uh, insane, man. She's talking to herself. And I was like, let me, you know, we'll talk to her. And Jill talked her down, huh? No, no. We need. We did. Oh, that was the next day. We 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 gave her a couple cigarettes. I was like, what's up? You need a cigarette? Yeah, that sounds good. I was like, why, why you got these people calling? She's like, oh, well, I, I just, I, I don't have a place to stay tonight. Yeah. And I'm kind of scared. I was like, I don't know. How long have you been on the streets? Two months. Where are you from? California. Why, well, you look like pretty normal. She goes, yeah, I was a teacher. I'm a retired teacher from California. Yeah. I was like, why are you like on the streets in Portland right now? And she said, you know, both of my kids, I had two children and they both they just both died of an overdose recently. And I just gave up. I don't just want to live. That's rough, bro. I wonder if people were faced with the facts, like, you know, like, you know, maybe like guys that are in the game, if they knew how this affected people, that they would still stay in. Some of them probably wouldn't. Yeah. All right, give a man a fish. Right, Are you coming down here not strapped, bro? Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't carry a gun, bro. Huh? Yeah. We went in Portland. If I was in Houston, I'd be strapped. <laughs> it is a different game up here, it, it, but it's dangerous. Yeah. Don't get, don't, you know, no, yeah. I mean, we've I'm had a lot saying. of my my guys, <clears throat> team members, <clears throat> respond to fire. I mean, just the other day, we have a guy named Haynes. <clears throat> did wound care a guy got shot in the neck and we actually kept him alive so he made it but yeah we responded to a lot of um, shenanigans yeah. alright so there's some people out here on the pearl today like from the pearl today trying to clean up camps yep so this is always good you know when we're on the streets, we obviously look a lot like either former law enforcement, right, right. former G's. Right. And so it's kind of like urban camo. You want to be able to mix in with different groups. You know, you're always trying to hear good, get good information right. on the street. So, who did this? Who did that? Right. Bro, I can't believe like that this many tents are allowed uh, in the public space. Yeah. 
Well, if you don't do nothing about it, then you're for it, right? So we're looking for spins. There's a whole bunch of bags there right there that need to be picked up. All right, let's, let's head that way. All right. I don't know where everyone is. So he should be right here. So they started at a different place. We got better information. We'll head that way. Come on. I wonder who that guy is. There's a whole group over there, though. Yeah, yeah. So everything been good out here? All right, man. So we'll just contact the tent and see if there's anyone home. Hello, anybody home? You okay over there? Hey, brother, you all right? Oh, dog. Hold on, man. No, he's out. All out. Hey, brother, you good? Hey, you good? Okay. All right, so I'll make sure you're all right. How you been, man? Yeah? Okay. Sleeping? Check on you later. Woo. So, coming out in the morning is obviously hard because people are sleeping. You, you really right. want to give people the ability to wake up. But... Hi, how are you? Doing okay? And why she's here, she sleeps here every morning. Yeah. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to tent. She don't like. She doesn't like tents. Nice. So she just sleeps on the street. Yeah. Uh, so why do you wake them up? Why do we wake them up? Mm -hmm. Well, I thought he might be overdosing. Ah. Uh, he might need. A, he might have needed an Narcan. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a thing. Like, hey, we come around in the morning to make sure they're all awake. No, no, no. You know. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like you got all this beautiful roses and greenery and then you're hit with just reality yeah so this this is all this is all hold on yeah. property okay and that's the bag yeah. they, they, we don't have any gloves though huh so, what is this yeah i had gloves at the office but right Why does it take a lot more for ODOT? Because ODOT doesn't, doesn't go by the same standards or necessarily agree with some of the folks in the street. Huh. So they I don't see. want people, they don't want people uh, coming on their property and doing things without their permission. Interesting. Yeah, I get yeah. to go to I don't know that for sure. Yeah. No, it is. They, they want you to get permits you and... So, so bureaucracy is getting in the way of being effective? Pretty much, yeah. 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 No, yeah. I've, well, it's like, yeah, it's obviously it's Are there, is there a shot caller for this area? Really? Hey. Hey. You good? And is it impossible yeah, to engage them out. to try okay. to help? Somebody got beat up out here. And they, so they night. already do. They're helping the best they can. Yeah, they do. Really? Yeah, I bet. Some of them are part of the problem. I didn't see it. Did the police come up? Please show Everybody yeah, took off when I rolled over here. Yeah. I broke it up. Yeah, that's right. Good. Like, there was, yeah. they sweep other places so that they come down here. So, yeah. good. Uh, like, we had all this, so. Yeah. What do you all think this. the biggest problem is? If we had, like, beds, could we get them oh, all oh, in? Absolutely. Uh, 
Really? I was denied, Crazy. I was denied nine beds yesterday. Nine people I could have got outside yesterday. And I already have yeah. a 15 person waiting list. So that's what, 24 yeah. people? Yeah. Just this week that we couldn't get in, just this week alone. So, you know, we're back on the streets. We're here every day doing cleanups and um, trying to get people into shelter. We're contacting people in the tent. It's a little early. I would say, what, about 50% are probably still sleeping. So, you know, it's always better to get people, usually right after lunchtime, that's usually the best time to, to get someone to shelter. Um, so we've got a lot of community partners out here today. One of, this, uh, one of us joining us is Stan Pinkin. Stan, do you want to introduce yourself? Give us a little background. Sure, Stan Pinkin, president of the Pro District Neighborhood Association. Also work uh, director of a new nonprofit called the Northwest Community Conservancy. And we're working with Echelon and uh, loving one another to help take care of the problems on our streets in a humanitarian way, helping get people into shelter and services. And we've got community members out here that we regularly to help clean up the streets and help take care of our neighborhoods. Where are we today? What part, what, what area is this? Well, this is, this is the area along the I-405. Okay. That's been a difficult area where there are many campers, many accumulations of trash, and we've been working on this area for many, many months. Uh, we keep coming back, trying to keep it clean, trying to keep it from getting worse, and it's, it's, a, continuing, uh, it's a continuing saga to try to keep this area clean and to keep people safe. And so it's an, uh, obviously we're in an underpass, not, not kind of a, a man-made sh shelter, right? What else about it is making it difficult? Why are people wanting to gather here and congregate here in tents? Well, I'll be honest with you. One of the, one of the reasons that the city and uh, actually ODOT own this property, they're not taking care of it. So uh, the Oregon Department of Transportation? Correct. ODOT, okay. And the city? Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's a little complicated because there's a, a, a intergovernmental agreement between the city and ODOT. The city's supposed to be taking care of these areas. They have to be funded by ODOT. They ran out of funds. Now they have some more funds. It, it's really yeah. a back and forth. There, it sounds like bureaucracy there's, is stopping there's, there's progress. No, there's no consistency. No consistency. So it's an issue of it's an issue of resources. That's part of it. Yeah. Um, and it, it, so we're out here doing doing the best that we can uh, because we can't depend on our government to do everything. Right. And, That's right. And they can't do everything. Yeah. We, we, we need public-private partnerships to really improve things and make things happen. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your, uh, you talking with us today. I know I don't want to stop you because we're here to clean up and engage. Um, so thanks for your time. I appreciate it, Stan. Thanks. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. Back to work. Back to work. Got to work. What we like to do during the week, we're, we're hitting this property every day. Um, and really, just any area where there's accumulation of trash and tents, and we like to hand out trash bags. And um, people will tend to clean their own areas, they just need trash bags to do that, and then we pick up those trash on a regular cycle, take them to the dump. JJ's company, Community Action PDX, is one of the partners we use to do some of these cleanups and uh, some of these uh, dump runs. It's been very effective. Yeah. So, kind of- breaks my heart, man. Kind of turning over this conversation, like, do you see a criminal element operating here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, what, what do you think? What do you think you see going on right now? I mean, 
people are still waking up. I think the people that were really active were on that side over there. Uh, the guys that were, were right here, actually. And one of them was riding around yep. a couple different you times. saw that, the guy on the bike yeah, with the mask? Yeah, trying to get a good understanding of who yeah. we were. And so what he we probably were is running this area, working oh, this area. This is Wilson, former law enforcement. She's part of our ops team. And we're out here, and they, we're just discussing that. There's been a gentleman, a white male, probably 20s, with a black face mask, and he's been riding on a bicycle, a little BMX bike, and he's the spotter and a lookout for what's going on right now. Right, and the guys are here, though. The, once they saw that people started coming with all of the trash cleaning and yep. all the cameras, they're starting to book. They're putting their stuff away. Yep. Yeah, they were asking a lot of questions. Yeah, they're, they're, dealing the, yeah, they're yeah, dealing. for sure. For yeah. sure, yeah. I mean, and it's the easy to see. Over there. It's pretty easy to see. So obviously, yeah. The, the, one of the reasons we're here is because, you know, as a just a, an overall business model, we're trying to show that you don't have to, in order to do security, one of the key elements, I think moving forward with this new paradigm is community engagement and how community engagement actually leads to less crime. And this is the prime example. We come out here, we only had like 10 volunteers, but we're spread out enough to where we're taking up like three or four blocks. Uh, is it you want you still want this too that was on the ground? Uh, yeah. Okay, you can have that. There you go. And this tin we can throw away too. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, I got I got you at the top of the list for a sh for a shelter. I got somebody into a tiny home yesterday. Yeah, so that's what I really want. You want a tiny home? Yeah. Well, there's they're going to be opening up. So and those new ones are really nice. They have they actually have uh, enough for two people. They have a kitchen. They have a refrigerator. That's what. Because um, my husband, he's in jail right now, but he's going to be getting out soon. How long do you think till he gets out? You don't know? Okay. Well, it'd be nice for you, for you to be in a place when he gets out, you know? Let's see if we can get someone else to talk to us, yeah? Yeah. Come on. Hello. How's your day today? Right. You want to uh, talk to us today? We're doing a kind of a documentary. We're trying to... I actually to... walked by you guys the other day. Awesome. Where were we? Building. I was pushing a cart full of carts. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, over on uh, Hoyt. Yeah. Yesterday, that was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so, uh, my name's Alex Stone. This is my cousin, JJ Revelo. JJ, pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. So, what's your name? Kayletta. Kalina? No, Kayletta. Kayletta, okay. There you go. Thanks for being patient with me. I don't hear well. Neither do I. Kayletta, but... <laughs> yeah. So, you're currently homeless? Yeah. Right? You're living in a tent? Yeah. How, how did that happen? Um, I got evicted from our apartment, mine and my husband's apartment. Yeah. And we just haven't had any luck with the housing. God bless this guy right over here. Spence? Yeah, he's yeah. amazing, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he's been trying to get me either into a shelter or a tiny home. And Monday, he's going to talk to his contact about getting us into a tiny home. Oh, that's amazing. I know we got a lady named Carolyn into a tiny home yesterday. And yeah. so, that's that's amazing. Yeah. How long have you been on the streets? We just, me and my husband, we've been on the streets for going on almost a year and a half. A year and a half. Wow. And your, for your mental health, I mean, that's got to be kind of hard, right? I mean, I'm out of that. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's hard. And so, you're lucky to have a husband. A lot of women on the streets. <laughs> They're kind of vulnerable out here, a lot yeah. of the women, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. A lot of them end up being trafficked. Yeah, um, there's a lady that I know. She's 
Yeah, yeah. She's kind of, I guess, she used to be more sane like I am. Yeah. But now she is, unfortunately, I don't want to say too much about her, but. Yeah, of course, you haven't mentioned any names. It's so I don't sad. know what to do. We're yeah. talking about the lady over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Kayla, I'm, I'm so glad you talked to us. I know that everything's a lot, lots going on today. You're really busy. So Spencer, who works with Loving One Another, he's going to check in with you tomorrow. Okay. Is, is, that, is that right? No. Um, he said Monday. Monday. He's okay. going to check in with his contacts on Monday. And then hopefully yeah. he can get me into one. Uh, he yeah. said that there was some room up on the one I went to my second and I'm awesome. uh, I'll go today. Yeah, yeah. If we can get me into one today, but yeah. of course it's Saturday or Sunday. There's not it's much. almost impossible. So in, in this industry, sheltering someone on the weekend is nearly impossible. There are emergency shelters, but for couples, especially couples, um, it's almost non existent. It's very difficult. Well right now it would be just me because the fact that my husband is also Okay. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's kind of why I need a phone. Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry, Kayla. Wow. This is hard work. It's hard being on the streets. I was homeless. JJ's been there as a kid as well. Um, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Yeah. You know? It's hard. Yeah. Here. All right, we'll let you get back to it, okay? Thank you for your time. It was a pleasure meeting you. All right. Let's go talk to some folks. Yeah. We'll just chill here for a bit. Okay. Cameras might escalate someone with mental health issues. So we're going to just stay here while Spence is dealing with this issue. There's a couple other people out here. I would like to see if they would talk to us for a couple minutes because it's important for people to see that community engagement really is the future of security work. It's the future of owning your neighborhood and keeping it safe. Hey, Glenn, will you, can you talk to us? So we're doing a ride along today. Um, one of our, our, the riders is Jeremy Revelo. He owns a company called Community Action PDX. He does a lot of remediation for properties, really large properties, industrial areas. And we're talking about how community engagement it, it, it takes away the criminal element. You know, when, when people are out here picking up trash every day, which is I know you're passionate about, criminals see that and they don't want to be here anymore because they don't want witnesses. So can you kind of talk about what you're doing here today and, and the good work that uh, your organization is doing? Well, it's all about taking over your turf. It is, your yes. Your neighborhood, occupying the space. What happened yeah. during the COVID, everybody was in uh, apartments houses. Yeah. So basically nobody took over the streets because it's basically empty, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden COVID's over and now we want to take over, you know, use our, use our streets again. But we find out there's other elements that have taken it over. That's right. So now right now we're in a transitional process of taking over our streets again, getting back to the normal everyday use so we can feel safe. Right now, Many people don't feel safe walking around our neighborhood. So, as a community, and I think in the world in particular, 
So if somebody coming from work, a woman comes from work, she wants to walk her dog, she can go out and walk that loop around the neighborhood yeah. and feel safe, not because there's police or, or guards, but because there's other people walking there. And then, you know, we have such a great, well, we're in a high-density vertical neighborhood. People, right. people can look at the street. It's back better than any camera. It is, yeah. That you can have. So many people will call. As long as people have a place to call, That's right. they know they can make a difference. That's right. People know what's going on in their neighborhood. That's right. They only need an outlet or an avenue to take that information to the people that can do something about yeah. it. So. I really appreciate your time today, Glenn. Yeah. Glenn and I have known each other for years. We've been working on similar initiatives, and we're always on different boards. We see each other all the time. And I, I, I got to tell you, you have been more determined uh, to get this done than almost anyone else in the city, and I yeah, appreciate that. I really can, appreciate we that. We can do it. We are doing it. We can make a difference. We are making it today. Don't let somebody else else do it. Yeah. You have to do it yourself. That's right. Personal ownership, taking responsibility. But we need leadership like Alex to direct all this resources and this energy into the right way. That's the most important. Yeah. Is the leadership. Appreciate and it. And you'll find people to follow. Yeah. You're okay. awesome. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. I think we uh, walk around a little bit. What, did anyone see where Spence went? That way. So he's still dealing with the mental health stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want to go over there? No. There's, in, sociolo in sociology, there's this you know, idea of the third space. Starbucks adopted that idea. You know, they want, they, you have home, you have work, and then that third space or that third place. And um, we'll walk this way, Robinson. Yeah. And so during COVID, the rise of crime, which is a generational thing, um, the increase of drug use, all these things, they've eroded public space in that third place or that, that extra space where people occupy when they're not home and not at work. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, they essentially disinvest emotionally from space. And then when, when people no longer have that emotional attachment, people no longer, um, monies don't flow into that. People stop investing money-wise. And criminal organizations just take over. They realize that you know, like broken windows. If that broken window doesn't get fixed on that building, no one cares about that building, that block is a good place to sell dope. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? As a I mean, former gang guy, I mean, you see the potentiality out here for gangs to take over? They already have. Yeah, they have. Yeah. You want to come in? Yeah. Hi. Hey, Reed Kerr, COO, Echelon Protective Services. Can you, can you talk about how security is important, not just the outreach efforts, but how security kind of works alongside these outreach efforts? Yeah, we're every day. Yeah, everybody. We know her. We know the three people that are sitting over there. We know everyone. Yep. I mean, we're we're here working alongside, and right. uh, we play the long game. You know, yep. we don't walk up and I'm Mr. Uh, you know Stud Muffin, and you need to be intimidated by me. The long game is that uh, through going here and building relationships, doing a lot of a lot of the similar things that Loa does. I love it. Working with Loa, understanding yeah. people's names and getting to know them over time, we're able to, uh, you know, build a good enough relationship to where we can actually make a difference around here. That's right. Where these people are actually, when we show up, oh, hey, Reed, yeah. it's, this happened to me, yeah. right? So that's what we do. And do you see a difference in the level of engagement from criminal organizations, right? Can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, I, I, I think they're like, uh, what what Jay said, I think they're here already. They're operating. Sorry, I mean, yeah. clearly that's a that's a thing. Uh, the difference is that when you're 
a criminal and you're trying to do your thing and you've got somebody that has the ability to access law enforcement, yep. access different people, different systems, yep. uh, it makes it a little more uncomfortable to do what you're doing. And it's kind of that classic like path of least resistance. That's We're right. not here to stop freaking gangs. No, it's of course not. Gonna not. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. We need the FBI, we need all this stuff. Like that's not our purpose. That's right. However, if we're just there, it's just enough to where possibly somebody's gonna say, hey, let's do our dirt over here five streets. That's right. That way. Perfect. Versus just right here. Perfect example. Yep. That's excellent. Awesome. Good, good, good. Well, let's go engage over here. Let's go talk to some folks. Love it. Jill checked on him earlier. Yeah. Yeah, we had a guy completely nodded off over here, but he, he was able to talk. Oh, good. So. Yeah, these... Not a good day. <laughs> no, those are definitely the ones selling, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're selling dope, <laughs> for sure. <clears throat> well, you didn't use it. The one guy wasn't using yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Totally fun. Totally sober. So you think the ones that are selling know what they're doing? Yeah. They know they're creating, you know, creating like a... I think so, yeah. ...group of slave, like people enslaved to the drugs, you know? For sure. For sure. They just don't care. Yeah. Okay. Need you to help. Yeah, what's up? Dude behind me, he's like the block boss. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, all these tents to move for me. Yeah. Like, what do you need? Yeah. He's thinking about what he needs, a new tent. I said we can give a new tent, but I yeah. don't know what else, because there's a lot of tents to move. Do you want to negotiate something with him? Got some Jaeger. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Why don't you let Jay? Jay, talk to him. This is Jay. Oh, what you need, bro? Yeah. I'm looking at through these caps over here. Do well, they I need things? Yeah, I'll get everybody out the block again. What do you think they need? Uh, I'll ask. Like a list. They really need something. Is there anybody trying to get in homes? Yeah, every one of them. Huh. Really? Yeah. Are they on lists? or? I don't know. Well, I've talked to Amy Joe in the first tent. I've talked to Aaron and Susie in the second tent up here. They're signed up. They're supposed to be, they're on the list. It could be a week to three months. <laughs> That's crazy. So, Is that discouraging? He has a house. Why don't you tell oh, him the story? Oh, that's what's up. I live in Salmon Creek, Washington. He's looking out oh, for nice, his brother. Nice. He doesn't have to be out here, but he's out here. And you're here just trying to watch his back? Yeah, he's in the tent next to you, red one there. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so then, like, you came down here for your brother, and then just everybody knows you, respects you? That's what's up. So you run the block here? Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you seem really squirt away. Uh, that's you, what's up. you know what's up, right? Um, it's rough down there. Yeah. If you're willing to make a deal, bro, and you can help some of these people move, mm -hmm. Jill's completely authorized to make that deal. Whatever you need, we can get you. All right, I'll make a list and ask these cats what they need. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Get that list and then start Cleaned negotiating. Figure it out. And then come grab Yeah, I mean, that's cool, but the, I mean, the real issue is. I was just killing him, man. I don't have you know, any, any weapon on me. Yeah, I'm sorry. You want to make it happen on Monday or Tuesday? Well, Tuesday? that's that's Monday. pretty cool of you to do yeah, that, man. Yeah, should come Tuesday. by Monday. You don't Monday. Pretty cool to do, okay, so. come by Tuesday, Tuesday morning and we'll, we'll get a deal going. Yes, sir. Yeah. And if anyone wants a shelter, that's we got we got you. Okay. Work it out. And your brother, is he in the tent? Yeah. Uh, I don't is there anything we can help him with? I don't know. I had to kick his ass. I know you did. Yeah. Okay. So we're here every day doing this. Every day. Every day. day. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. I hope that he's 
legit with that deal. Yeah, for sure. All right. Legit, I think he's the one providing the dope. He is. He just offered me a bag when I walked up. He's the one he providing the dope. He goes, you dropped this. I go, no, no, I no, he's selling dope for sure. Yeah, but he goes, you dropped this. Go, he's willing to move because he knows this is going to be an active area. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's transition to, I'm, we're going to go talk right, to Ken. You, you, okay? Sorry, I got like You're good here? Yeah. Yeah. Right, what's your name, Nick. Nick. JJ. Excuse me. Okay, good work. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. How long have you lived up there? Alan, it's good to see you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. We got to follow up. I know. <laughs> One of the tents said, "Abandon all hope, he who enters here." <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah. Time bags. Good. So I think he's gonna get all eight or nine of these tents to move on Tuesday. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome. Where are they gonna go? I don't know. Crazy, they get to choose where they go. That's true. It's an agency, right? Yeah. So, good question. But yeah, I'm going to go to the shelter? That's what we're, we're trying to line that up. Jill's going to start lining up shelters on Monday. Sweet. So by the time we come out here, we already have beds reserved on Tuesday morning. Cool. So awesome. I'm, we're hoping, I mean, there's like nine people. So if we get two, that's a big that's win. Huge. That's huge. Yeah. That's great. great. This is great. I'm concerned about Spencer. Can someone check him? Yeah, I'll go look. I'll go find him. He's with that lady who's, you know, the mental health subject. I'm in route. He's gone, though. We don't know where he is. Reed, down the block, left is where I saw him go. So then after now. everybody picks these up, does so somebody come around and pick? And, yes. And Spencer dump. will come back in the, in the van or the truck and we'll throw and all the dump everything? Yeah. OK. So we have Reed getting in on Leif, right? Leif's mic'd up, so we don't know, but we don't know what's going on. Is he OK? Yeah, he's going to go take her out to lunch and get her some smokes, and then she's fine. OK. That's what's up. She nice. just needed. Some hope. Awesome. <laughs> She's friends with Kayletta, the lady we interviewed earlier. Yep, yep, yep. And she said that's, that, that this mental health crisis is a recent thing, that she was completely normal just a couple months ago. Wow. You think it's a fentanyl? I don't know. I, I would imagine drug-induced, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. So. I mean, have they really, like, studied, like, long-term... Effects? Effects of, like, using fentanyl over and over and over and over I don't again think on so. a daily basis? It's relatively new. Really and plus all these designer drugs from China. Yeah. Right, what crank is, and all that. What is fentanyl? Trank. Like, is it an opioid? It's, it's a synthetic op uh, heroin. Okay. But it, the, the thing about it is, like, what, the, what they're saying is there's really no drug right now that doesn't have to. Yeah. So even your meth, your cocaine, like, they're finding any test that they do, there's still traces of fentanyl within it, which is just a totally new thing. Well, I mean, it's going to end up killing a lot of people. It already has. It already has. So, right, so we gotta be we're out here on the streets. We're in Portland under the 405. We just talked to uh, another guy in the green vest. His name was Stan Pinkin. Yeah. I, I don't know if you know him, but right. well, okay. he's the PDNA board chair. Okay, great. Yeah. And, and so this is a PDNA livability safety cleanup. Okay, great. And your name is Ken. Yeah. yeah. yeah we'll just go by Ken. Is that okay? Yeah, fine. And so what's the, what's kind of the purpose of this activity? Well, it's uh, uh, working with uh, Sally Mice, who does all of our tent counts, but also uh, helps us on all the cleanup stuff along with the clean team that we Awesome. Have. 
So this is actually the people that actually work on the clean teams. Yeah. They come out and do periodic cleanups on sites like this. Nice. And we pick a couple times a month to do that. Okay. I think, you know, because Loa's, we also know Loa's out here working. It's a good time on a Saturday morning to work with them to go interact That's with the camps while yeah. we're cleaning it up. So yeah. I think it's a great opportunity In fact, to work that with. organization you just mentioned is striking a deal for Monday for nine of these tents to actually move. Good. Good. Now, do we have a place to move them? <laughs> well, we can't decide that. Yeah. That's for them to decide. But we think that there's going to be at least two of the nine that are going to get into shelters. Right. So we're going to try to find those shelters Monday morning great. and then transition them on Tuesday. Great. I know. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's great. And so, that's, that's the objective. If we can get the county and the city to work with us. If we, yeah. Yeah, that's the key. How do we do that? Well, I think it's outreach. You gotta, we've got to all work to talk with our uh, county and city leaders and uh, Dan Fields, the new head of the yeah. joint commission. Should we get a petition? Do we start doing a, hey, we're going to have a petition. We're going to have people sign up. We're going to get 5,000 signatures. I mean. No, I think you have to get a groundswell of people that do right? it. Because yeah. I think the risk we have right now is with the city's new rule, being on the sidewalks during the day, we're going to see an increase, especially in places like I think you're right. Uh, yeah. Due to the fact that this isn't police just taking care of us. So, so if they think they can stay here full time, then that will create a problem. So what Ken is discussing is starting July 1st, they're going to a, a kind of retroactive uh, banning of, of tenting and camping during the days. So when the sun comes up, the tent goes down. When the sun goes down, the tent goes up. Right. And that's going to push more people off of public um, uh, sidewalks. This is a public sidewalk. Yeah. And this then, is ODOT but yeah, exactly. Off of regular people's properties into these ODOT areas these smaller enclaves. Um, as you see up here, we have almost like a Bedouin style large tent complex. Right. And these aren't gonna be affected by that. Yeah. Right, I don't, I don't see that. I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, we I don't, don't know, know what's gonna happen. No one really knows. Nobody knows. And I think that's part of the problem, it's right? It's like when you shake a tree and the birds fly, you don't know where they're gonna land. That's right, you don't. So the question is, where are they gonna go? Yeah. My guess is they're gonna go someplace where they don't think they're gonna be moved. That's right. And if, places like this are about, then they'll go here. So what we've got to do is work with the city, county, and uh, joint commission to make sure that, that they don't, this doesn't become a permanent camp. I think you have to move people from the street to a shelter, and it has to get them from low barrier to high barrier, yeah. clean them up, put them in a halfway house where you help them transition to housing and jobs. And so I think if you had the right structure, a two-step instead of just kind of throwing a mass camp a low barrier, I'm really concerned about that. I think that's going to have yeah, it, to be uh, something like we that. We have to create... we got to get to a Bybee Lakes model. Yes. It has to be a process of personal transformation, and we got to get people on that on that track. The problem right now is, even on the shelter side, as we all know, their shelters are sitting at less capacity because they don't have staff. And if you don't that's pay right. people to staff those, the staffing to client ratio is at a level they can't open up all the beds. And so oh. then we can't get people into beds. Get people on the street. Uh, so yeah, so we can work hard to get correct. them ready to move, but if there's no beds available, you're kind of a no man's land. So the county has around 2,000 beds, the city has just over 200. But if those entities aren't staffed, this is what I think I hear you saying, that really we're only at maybe 1,500 beds because we don't have enough employees at those individual sites to get the staffing levels at the air, at the level where we couldn't could they, then open up more beds. Couldn't they yeah. use people that were like people in community service, you know, in those positions to help? to further along the cause, or is that like not Like possible? volunteers? Yeah, well like, yeah, like I, you're I supposed to do community so. service, yeah, I think it has do it to be, here? I think it, it has to be paid. They need, paid, they need to be paid, paid very They're well. They're almost like social workers. They have okay. to understand how yeah. to deal with the issues. Okay, I see. A lot of it's mental health, it's substance abuse. Okay. Okay. So, okay. 
So I think, you know, that we've got to come up with a new model. I think Dan Field, I have confidence that he's the type of person that used to be executive Kaiser. He knows how yeah. to run systems. We need to give him time to do it, but he needs to be moved. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks. Appreciate thank you. Thank you for your time. We appreciate you. We want everyone to come out to the community and help. This is about getting the word out that, number one, Portland is safe. You can come here. We want people to come here. We, we, we enjoy visitors. And, you know, this is not a scary place to be. If you want to come, you're welcome to come here. If you live in the community, come out, get in, get in contact with us, look at Loving One Another, um, the Pearl District Neighborhood Association. Livability and Safety Committee. Livability. They're the ones that do these yeah. clean teams that do the cleanup. So we really need to get, get people engaged. In the Portland District Neighborhood Association's Livability and Safety Committee. Check them out online. Come and engage the community with us. Yeah. Thanks for Thank your time. You. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thank yeah. you. I think the thing that's just like frustrating, even just coming from that perspective is, bro, it's really all about having treatment and beds. And like that guy said, like helping people to get separate from the street so that they can get over their addictions, you know, yeah. get through it, you know, like, you know, with help, of course. And uh, so that they can have some form of like, I don't know, man, like self-respect, I guess you call it self -worth, agency. Self-agency. Yeah. The know? ability to know that you can make your own decisions. Right. right. So you're not being controlled by a substance or by just the whims of your own emotions. That you're in a place where your mental health is solid, your addictions are, are uh, you know, baited, they're, they're taken care of. Right. And you can say, hey, I, I'm thinking clearly, I can make my own decisions, I have agency in my own life. That's what people need. There's a lot of money being spent, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's just, we talk about it all the time, it's a field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. And people, I think it's, to be honest, a lot of the people that work in these organizations that are in offices that want to get people into shelters, they're just too scared to actually go out on the street and talk to people. Right. They're right. just too scared, you know. That's important. That's what it comes down to. I, I just don't think that they have the fortitude, the courage, you know, because you can get killed. All these, a lot of these tents have guns. There's a lot of shootings. This dude, he's this white guy we just talked with, He's an OG, bro. He's running the block. He's selling dope. And uh, people feel really uncomfortable. These uh, people who have gone to college, who never ha don't have a lot of life experience, right. these jobs don't pay that well. They're right. younger people. They don't know what they're doing. They're not going to come out to these tents and kick it with an OG and you know try to get people into shelters. And they don't even know how to do that. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem. Hey, let's go check out Old Town real quick. Yeah. How are you going to fix it? Why do you feel like it's your place to? Um, I'm sorry, I don't like people seeing get. I don't like people like or seeing people get hurt. You know, I mean, there's people here, brother. Like, I don't know, dude, but it, it's 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 heartbreaking when you got like you know. The other day, I had three ladies. One of them was pregnant and and, and on med, and I, I tried to get them in homes, and they they were like, yeah, we'll put you on a waiting list. Yeah. And so they all left. Yeah, of course. The transition, it can take two or three days. That's why we bridged, like Carol, the other day. Yeah. We had to put her in a hotel. It was 11 o'clock at night. I mean, no, there's no shelter intakes at 11 o'clock at night. Most people are most vulnerable at night. During the day, they're up trying to earn money, you know, trying to get drugs or food and 
And if they stop that activity, they don't eat that day. All right, man, so we're back here in Old Town, right? Obviously, this is, this is a more common area to see that type of drug dealing. Usually during this season, during the summer season, we have the Saturday market going on here at the waterfront, and they tend to clean it up a little bit, right? The police spend a lot of time, even up 90 days before all this, kind of cleaning this up. The waterfront, huh? Yeah. I want to see the waterfront. Let's go to the waterfront, bro. Yeah. yeah. Talk about what we just experienced. Yeah, man, and, that's a... Uh, uh, how do we get the guy with the teardrop? Steve, Nick, I don't know, whatever. Nick was his name, name, and he was definitely the main dude, and he yeah. was hustling. Well, he like said, oh, yeah, just, I'm running the block. Yeah. I mean, how do we get that guy to stop selling dope? Like, how can we engage that guy to be like, hey, bro, you're ruining people's lives? We got to help him with opportunities, man. I, 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 number one, I think we take the clients away. Yeah. You take the clients away, man. You get the clients into shelter. Right, you get them to move, and that puts people in a position where um, they need to. If they're going to continue to do business, they got to go somewhere else. The problem is, Alex, is that it's difficult to get expedient service when it comes to getting people in shelters. I yeah. think that if you could narrow that time, then you could have a more fertile ground to be able to yeah. plant the, you know, the thought process. You know. Um, yeah, we have we have currently 14 people waiting to get into shelters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know how many people you can lose like overnight just from overdosing? Yeah. Um, it's just, I feel like until that's been addressed, yeah. The other stuff is you're just putting band-aids on it, man. You are. I mean, at the end of the day, bro, I can't do real. I'm not a surgeon. Yeah. I can't. I don't have those capabilities. The government has to do that. Right. right. And so large, how much can the private sector do? You know. I think the private sector can put on band-aids. Yeah. I think the private sector. So this this is the exact whole purpose of this business model. Right. We we don't run a shelter. We just get people into shelters. Yeah, right. Right. We can take them. We can be the ambulance that gets them to the hospital. Right. And then we take them to people that are waiting, ready to do intakes. The problem is, it's very rare that you can. Um, find people that want to do those intakes. I think Ken mentioned that, you know, there's a, there's a problem with employees and staffing. A lot of people don't want to work with this population. You know, they don't want to work with it, especially after COVID. Um, it's hard to staff. People are afraid of stuff like that and they don't want to be around the houseless. I can understand that, you yeah. know, um, that you just got to get your hands dirty sometimes, dude. Yeah. Especially if you want to see change yeah, of course. in your community. I agree. 100%. I was gonna ask you, like, so this dude selling dope over there, there's like 40 or 50 people over there. It looked like there's three guys selling dope. Right. How much money do you think they're making a day? Oh, snap. Um, right, so yeah, three dudes. The two, one in the bike that was a spotter. Right. The two over here with the, the female, and then the one guy with the teardrop, right? I think the female was just there. I yeah, yeah, she's no. working she's, it. No, she's not, exactly. She, uh, she looked like she was just, like, kind of there with the dudes. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of money in the ghetto, man. There's no telling. I would say probably anywhere between, I don't know what they sell the the, the, the doses for. You know what I'm saying? With fentanyl, like, like, like if it was- For a white, was, for a white, you're talking two to three dollars, and for a blue, you're talking five dollars. Okay. Pills. So they then, crash them up, they smoke them on right foil. Right there in the area. I'm thinking they probably pull home anywhere between probably like three to 
700 a day. Wow. Uh, I think. Yeah. Well, um, that dude wasn't even involved there, and he came up. That kind of Native American guy, Hispanic yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. teardrop, sold him something. Yeah. And so, that's not, you know, that makes sense because that's only, if you're talking a transaction is an average of $15, right. let's say $20, that's only, yeah. that's, one, that's only 20 folks. And I think that the dude would, you know, behaving that way because he The OG. Like, yeah. yeah. He could operate with impunity. You know what I mean? Like. Nobody cares, man. No one cares. And so, the money's People are there. overdosing and. They'll even know who the dealer is, and no one's going after that dealer. I mean, I'm, I'm being real yeah. with you. I think that guy is there because he says his brother's there, right? Yeah. I think that guy's there to make sure people don't overdose. If you know what I mean, like. It's funny you said that because they actually had Narcan. They had yeah. the needle. Did you see it? The yeah. needle form of Narcan. Yeah. So he might be there keeping them alive so that they can they keep can using. Keep, yep. And I was wondering. I was like, man, they have a whole bunch of Narcan. They got the the needle form. Yep. Not even the nose spray. I know guys that would stay up till 5, 6 a.m. with Crazy. people that he was serving in order to make sure that they didn't die. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's why he's willing to move them all so that we don't get yeah. them into the shelter. That's his That's his bread and butter. He's making $400 a day. Potentially. Why do you think that this guy, he came up to us and said, hey, do y'all need us to move? I can move these people. Oh, I think I mean, he's protecting I, I his mean, profit. That's what well, kind of I think. Well, I think the reason why is because we made the spot hot. Yeah. And he realizes that it's been consistently people coming around there, cleaning, yeah. taking video, asking questions. And then he met us. And, and uh, I mean, we have a, a certain vibe. I have a certain vibe. So he might have been like, all right, this is. These might be undercover. Who no telling. Like, you maybe know, another this, gang's looking out maybe, for that spot. You know, I don't know. But I don't know, man. I know that they want to make their money. But I'm pretty sure that if they were given a di different perspective, a different chance. Like, That's right. If they were like, okay, well, you know, you sell this. What if I can get you to go sell cell phones? Yeah. You know, there's a good chance they might not be there. You know, I feel like if they had some comfort uh, in knowing that they had potential for growth yeah. in some sort of career, that they definitely wouldn't be there. Uh, you know, I, I'm here to tell you that that's a motivating factor. You know, he got a built-in thing there. If he can get the people to move out where he wants them to be, he can continue to serve them. No one really cares because they're, you know, dregs yeah. you know um and on goes the chaos which kind of drives me insane man well uh, hey i know we're talking about this now but we should probably hit up the studio um talk about this you know as more of an after action and get down to the details of what's really going on yeah man i have to agree um it's just when i start to look at this place i mean look at that just the graffiti right there well, it's just Crazy, it's such man. a beautiful place, man, for, you know, just a couple blocks away, there's people, you know, doing drugs, bro. Yeah. We got all this livelihood going on behind us, you know, yeah. Saturday Fair and all that, like, this place is breathtaking. Yeah, it's the juxtaposition of the worst and the best, all in one place, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, let's go check out your spot. Yeah, let's go. Set it up. It does. <laughs> I think I saw somebody eating some gyro earlier. Euro? Well, yeah. Angelina's runs a gyro place, and she's that Saturday morning.